Acts chapter 13, verse 36 is a very unique verse to me in the way that the Apostle Paul has spoken here in this message that is being preached in the synagogue. Now, this synagogue that he's preaching in is in, in the Antioch of Pisidia, is where, where this is located at. And he and Bartimus have traveled for a while, and now they're in this synagogue. And as was Paul's normal manner, he would go in and sit down, and he would use the opportunities provided to him to give out the gospel, if you will. And so what I want to say there is that a lot of times we limit ourselves in what God is able to use us to do by not being willing to step outside the box and just take the opportunities that God gives us. A lot of times we want the big opportunities and we overlook the small opportunities. And we see here the Apostle Paul has gone to this synagogue, he and Barnabas, and they simply showed up and sat down. That's all they did. And as was the manner of the Jews in that day in the synagogue, they would do one of two things. Number one, they would recognize him as Saul, the law keeper, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, and they would ask him to stand and, and, and say a word. He would take advantage of that, obviously. Number two, as a guest, a lot of times the Jewish religious leaders would just ask a guest if they would like to say a word. Now, either way, Paul would have his opportunity to stand, and he always took that opportunity. You know, I think many times how often it would be or how easy it would be for us to maybe be intimidated by that and not be willing to stand and proclaim the gospel. Can, can you imagine what the Jewish leaders, what went through their minds about 10 minutes into Paul's message? Think about that, you know. Had to be pretty intimidating for him. So we see the Apostle Paul taking this opportunity. And this is Paul's first recorded message in the Bible, even though it's not the only message he preached or up to this point he had preached many messages. But I want to say this, Paul had his generation. Paul had a generation to reach, and Paul took every opportunity that was given to him, whether he be free or in jail, to reach his generation. And today I think about the, the shape that our country's in, and I think about the generation that we have to reach, and how, how easily we seem to make excuses, we seem to be more than willing to just let certain opportunities go by, rather than go ahead and try to reach this generation for the cause of Christ. And so when we complain about the condition of this country, I'm afraid that a lot of times, as for myself, I have to look in the mirror and say, oh, me, because it's on us to reach this generation. God's people have that responsibility. Now, we see in this verse, the Apostle Paul is taking David, King David, and using him as a testimony to these Jewish leaders. Now, he knew that these Jewish leaders would relate to King David. But what I want to point out here is, is that they, they were, would have more than likely related to him in, much, in a much different way on their own without Paul using this particular verse and this description for David. You say, well, what are you talking about? Notice the description for David after he had served his own generation. You see, when we think about King David, how do we, what do we relate to? We can ask the young people down here on the front, and I'll ask them, what did, King, what did David do? What, what do you know that he did? Surely somebody knows. Anybody? He killed Goliath. Absolutely. So when we think about King David, we, we immediately, our minds go to that great thing that took place, that, that great uh, battle that took place between a young man and a, and a great giant. And we think about David in that way. Well, what, what about the other descriptions of David that we could give or that the Apostle Paul could have given? What about a great musician? We know that he was a very talented musician, obviously. The Bible records that. And many other things about David being a great warrior. But I want you to look at what God decided to say about David. What he chose to say. 
It says in verse 36, for David after he had served his own generation. You see, God chose to describe David as a servant. Simply a servant. And many times in ministry, I know for myself, at one time I would always look around me and say, well, I can't do this, Lord, because I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not at the level of this other guy over here, you know. I can't serve you like they can because I'm just not that person. When we see here that the, the, the testimony for the uh, life of David that the Lord gives here is not anything huge. It's simply being a servant. And so in my own life, I've come to, to, to be determined that I'm not worried about anything as far as how people look at me or what they think about what God has called us to do. All I'm worried about is serving the living God. Amen. And I think that's something we all need to, to, to have a heart-to-heart with uh, ourselves and make sure that we understand we're not out to impress anybody. We're not out to do anything uh, we shouldn't be out to do, ready to do, or trying to do anything other than serve the Lord. So if you would, what I want to do is I want to ask a question tonight, a real simple question. What about this generation? What about this generation? We think about, you know, on the video, you saw our video shows a lot of young children. And on the, on the reservation, our ministry will obviously be geared toward young children to a certain point. It will probably be more of an emphasis than the older people because literally 52% of the reservation is under the age of 25. So that is a targeted group for us. There's no doubt about that. And we understand that to reach these people, especially because of their cultural teaching, it's best to get started with them when they're younger. And I don't think it's any different for our, our, our people, you know, for our, our folks. We should reach them young. Uh, you know, I applaud you for your, your, your ministry opportunities that you have, like with the trunk or treat. Use every opportunity God gives you, I, I beg you. Use every opportunity to get the gospel to these young people. It's our generation to reach or not to reach. We need to realize that. And so what I want to say is, point number one, is that God notated David and, and gave a testimony of David for one thing, and that's being a servant. Amen? And as, as a testimony to my own life, uh, you know, prior to, 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 to getting involved in churches that had ministries that were outreaching and ministries that had life to them, if you will, my family and I belonged to small churches that really were just an enclosed church, a boxed-in church, boxed-in ministry. I call it an ambush ministry. You say, what do you mean? They never really did anything but waited until somebody wandered through the door and then gave them the gospel. You know, that's not God's will. That's not New Testament gospel preaching, gospel teaching. That's not what God would have for us, Okay. And so, for many years, what my family and I did was we came into the church house and we sat down in a seat. And then we would get up and leave after the service. And in all honesty, I'm I'm just giving you my heart, we thought we were doing God a favor. We really did. We thought we were doing God a favor by doing that. And what I want to say in that is we see here that David, after he had served his own generation, he was a servant of the Lord. There's a difference between being a servant and being observant. You see, many people today want to come into the church house, sit down, see what's going on, take part in that maybe, amen the pastor, get up and sing, do those different things. But then their idea is to go get up and go back out the church doors and you will not see or hear from them until the next service. That's being observant. You see, God's not called us to be observant. He's called us to be servants. Amen. And that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we are a servant of the Lord. I want you to turn real quick to Job. I think, yes, Job chapter 1. And I want you to see something that is said in verse 8. Job chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, and this, this is where, and I'm going to go back up to verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, 
When's comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now listen to verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan. Now think about this. Of all mankind on earth at this time, this is what God said, Has thou considered my servant Job? He didn't say my warrior so-and-so somebody else or so-and-so this great theologian. He said my servant Job. So that's what God thinks about servants. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for servants. And so what I want us to understand is 1 Samuel twelve twenty four says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. See, God wants all of our heart. He doesn't want part of our heart. I've been there and done that. I tell you, it's a bad place to be. God wants everything we've got, okay? And he deserves that. He deserves that. And so Ephesians 5, 7, I'm sorry, in, uh, in the end of that verse, he, it says, For consider how great things he hath done for you. Amen? It's just like the song we sung a while ago. If he saved you, it's the very least you can do to serve him with your life. Amen? It's the very least you can do. Sometimes I don't think we really get a hold of what salvation really is. You know, the alternative to salvation, I don't think it really sets with us, and we don't understand sometimes, or we, we don't dwell on it, we don't meditate on it enough, the alternative to being saved. And that's a lot of times, I think, the problem when it comes to witnessing to other people and getting the gospel to other people, is we don't really meditate on the alternative if they don't get saved. You know what I'm saying. Point two, David served by the will of God. I want you to look at this verse again. It says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on asleep and was laid into his fathers and saw corruption. You see, we can't make up our own way. Now, I, I, I tell it everywhere I go, I want to make it clear that I did not write the story that God has for my family and I. Uh, there's no way I could write this story. I said this morning in the church we were in, if you want to look at my list of places that I would like to go serve the Lord, you will not find the Sonoran Desert on that list. Amen? You won't find it on the first page or the second page, to be honest with you. It's a pretty harsh environment, and it's a place that I never really laid at night, awake at night and dreamed of being in, okay? So God has called us to this place, there's no doubt in my mind. I'll show you my list if you want to look at it, and, and there's a lot of other places that are, in my opinion, places I would rather be, and they're probably pretty nice places, to be honest with you. And, and even going a little further in that, you know, Brother Dave talked about my military career. I was in a jungle unit. My, my, my jungle or my, my military background is that I was trained to operate in the jungles of Central America. And so when God first called me to be a missionary, and I knew it was mission work, I had it all figured out. I thought, well, I know what God's calling us to do. He's going to call us to go to Central America. I was just trying to figure out, is it going to be Belize, Panama, Nicaragua, you know, Bolivia? Where's it going to be? And you know what? That wasn't God's plan. See, God's plan was to send us somewhere that I'm not familiar with. A lot of times that's a good thing. Because you know what? If he sends us someplace that we're familiar with, we won't rely on him near as much. We're apt to not do that. And so God uh, is very, very, it's very important that we serve the Lord in his will and not our own. Okay? Amen? And so Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You see, David, as we see this verse here, he, he would seek out the will of the Lord. Okay? He was a man. He had his, his downfalls. There's no doubt about it. We understand that. But, the, but what we need to understand more than anything is that David's heart was for the Lord. Look at verse 22 of this same chapter. It says, When he had removed him, he raised up unto them David, he's talking about removing King Saul, to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, now get this at the end, which shall fulfill all my will. 
The Word of God, it's very, it's very important in the Word of God not to miss specific words like all my will. It's very, very important for us to understand that God wants us to do all of His will. It'd be very easy for me to say, well, Lord, that's a hard place to move to and spend your life. Because that, that mission field that we're going to out in the snow, it's our life call. And even in our own family, I've had family members kind of wait maybe a month or two after we first told them, and then they were thinking, I know what they were thinking. Well, after this sinks into his mind and, and he really gets a hold of what he's talking about, he's going to start backing up on this thing. And I would have them come to us and they'd say, well, well, when you're out there about six months, and, you know, probably at that point you'll probably be looking at coming back, so most likely you're not going to sell your house. I'm like, yeah, we're selling the house. I mean, it, we're, not, we're not going out for six months. We're not going out for, you know, as far as I'm concerned, six years, 16 years. It, that's our life's call. That's where God has called us to. Now, I know he can move us, but as of right now, that's where God's called us to, and that's where we will be. And so we need to understand that it's very important to understand what the will of the Lord is and to follow that completely all the way, okay? We've heard this before. Partial disobedience is disobedience. or I'm sorry, partial obedience. Let me, let me correct myself. Partial obedience is complete disobedience, and there's no doubt about that. I've been there. And so what I want to say tonight in closing is just ask a couple of questions, okay? Number one, just a few statements before that. We can't make up our own way, okay? We've got to let God write our story. There's no doubt about that. If you write your story, it will be wrong. I could never have written the story that God has for us. There's no doubt about it. Uh, He's tied everything in with our background and our preparation in ways that I just can't even explain. However, I still could have never written this story. There's no way, okay? There's things about being out in the desert and with these Indians, horses and the social issues and things that I look at now and I understand that he's prepared our family for. But I could never have written this story. It's time to let go of our own wills and seek out the will of God for our lives. Amen? And the will of God is not in the future, it's in the present. I say that to say this. When I was first called to ministry, full-time ministry, I was really, really, really reluctant, okay, to move at the time God opened the doors. I kept saying, well, Lord, when I get this, when I get that, you know, uh, outside of my military career, I also spent over 20 years in a career with a company that God actually allowed me the last five years to be the general manager of a small corporation. And, and once I got that, I thought, okay, God's opened the door. And, and I, I, at that point, we hadn't been called to the mission field. I hadn't been called to full-time ministry. And I thought, well, this is what God has for me and my family, for me to work in this company as the general manager. It hadn't been very long, over, just a little over two years. And then God called me to be a missionary. In all honesty, at first I was like, well, Lord, I'll be a missionary, but after I get to a certain point with this company. And see, that wasn't God's will. And so we need to understand God's will is for now. Two questions and I'm done. Number one, are you willing to serve God rather than observe? Just being upfront about it. Are you willing to serve the Lord with your life? doesn't matter if it's right here in this church, right outside the doors, or around the world on the mission field. Are you willing to give God your life and serve him with your life? Amen. And so you say, Brother Billy, why are you asking that question for this generation? You see, without us doing what God's called us to do, this generation doesn't have a chance. Let's just be honest about it. Be upfront about it. Number two, are you, are you truly seeking out the will of God for your life? Are you really seeking out what God would have you to do with your life for him? You say, why? For this generation. You see, there are people out there who need to hear the gospel, and your reluctance to follow God completely in his will has a bearing on that person's eternity, their eternal destination. Think about that. Think about that. That's extremely, extremely serious. And we need to become solemn about that and understand that it's our responsibility to get the gospel to these folks. 
What about this generation? That this generation might be impacted for God. Amen. That's what this generation needs. We don't, we don't need a lot of the things that we think we need. We think we need to completely revamp Washington, D.C., and I, you know, to a certain extent I probably agree there. We think that we need to do away with this and that and the other, and, and probably we do. But let me say something. The biggest thing we need to do is we need to get the gospel to the lost. We need to see them saved, born again. And once that takes place, we can start seeing a change. Are we going to? I'll be honest with you, and I'm just going to leave you with this, and I'm done, Pastor. It's on us. I, I just break it down like, brother, I, I'm not a complicated person. I, I can't be complicated. I'm just a simple guy. It's on us. Amen. This generation's future is on us. Amen.